welcome to The Farm. I'm Kasia Williams, The Rural Mum, and today we're talking You've Married the Farmer, Now What? My guest today is Shannon from Northwest Queensland up at Muckadilla. She's a mum of three and working on the land. Thank you, Shannon, for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so, Shannon, tell me a little bit about yourself, your family, and where you are. Absolutely. So, my name is Shannon Crocker. I am a farmer and married to a farmer. We're, we are on a property near Makadilla, which if you don't know, is in southwest Queensland, not far from Roma. I grew up, though, on a beef farm near Mitchell, so I actually haven't gone far. My, my parents, um, the, the property I grew up on is about 45 minutes away, but towards the west. So I grew up on a beef farm there, and I met Phil many years ago now <laughs> um, at a Drought Busters concert in Roma one night. And yeah, I didn't really, I'd come back, I did nursing. So I went to boarding school, I did nursing. After boarding school, I came back and it was sort of an interim period and yeah, met Phil and yeah, I've been on Crock and Tie, which is the name of the property, since 2009. Beautiful. And how old are your kids now? Yeah, so we have three boys. They are 10, 8 and 6. Beautiful. Uh, and, yeah, they keep us on our toes, but they're lots of fun. Yes. Before we continue with today's interview, I'd like to give a shout-out to today's supporting link. Today's link is supported by the Rural Mum Tupperware. So if you are interested in purchasing Tupperware or finding out more about it and how it can help you in your everyday life, please click the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to today's interview. They would. <laughs> So tell me a little bit about what it was like being on farm with Phil initially and then tell me how things changed as each child joined you on the farm. Absolutely. So uh, initially I, and I still do, I find cropping tough. Um, it's completely different world to what I grew up with and I really love cattle, like always have, love breeding, love working cattle. So initially coming to Crock and Tire, which is predominantly cropping, I mean, we do have some cattle, but predominantly cropping, it was, it's, it's difficult. And, and for many years, I wasn't involved in the business. I mean, I would help out, and, but I was still working as a nurse as well. So, you know, I might be helping out on weekends and that kind of thing. So it didn't really feel like it was my own. However, Phil and I, we did... Um, we did get our own breeder herd and we had them on adjustment. So we did have our own cows, which was, which was great. But it really wasn't until, you know, a fair few years in when I sort of was brought in on the business that, you know, it became, it felt like it became more mine. And that, uh, that gradually happened to as we started having kids. However, I guess, you know, what it's like when you have little ones, it can be really difficult because, and I found it difficult because I'd gone from nursing to being at home with kids and it's tougher to get out with little ones. It really is. And so I, I remember feeling a little bit lost there for a bit because, you know, I, I felt like the farm was filled and even though this was home, I just, you know, yeah, I felt a little bit lost with, with I guess, my involvement. Yeah. Because your living arrangements have evolved over the years from when you first moved there to what they are now. Can you talk us through a little bit about how that changed? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm incredibly lucky 
uh, in a few aspects. And one is my in-laws are very, very forward thinking when it comes to, to succession planning, and they always have been. Uh, I'm also lucky the fact that Phil actually didn't grow up on this property. So his parents bought uh, Crock and Tie in 2005. And so when I first moved in with Phil, he was living in the co- in the cottage. Um, well, actually, he was in the Shearer's quarters for a bit. But then he moved to the cottage, which is about 600 metres just up that way. And so we lived there for a bit and we did a bit of renos and that kind of thing. Uh, but we had to sort of discuss. His mum had always said that she w- wanted to swap houses at some stage because the house that we're in, the main house is quite a big house and she didn't want to be cleaning it, you know, when she got older. And we sort of had to sit down one day and say, look, you know, is that really what you want? We can make the cottage bigger. You know, we don't have to swap. But it came down to it really that I guess she sort of said to us at one stage, like, oh, I'd like to swap, but in 10 years. And we're like, well, by then the kids are nearly at boarding school and what's the point? Um, you know, so, but we ended up deciding to swap when the youngest was uh, five months old, so Henry. Um, and so we did, we swapped houses and they've done a bit of work on the cottage and, and improved it as well. And it's a, it's a really lovely little house up there for them. And yeah, so we're in the main house now here. So, which is ample room for us. And it just made sense rather than having two bigger houses on one property, because there's quite a bit of infrastructure here. So um, it, it didn't make much sense to make that house big and then having two people in this massive house, it, it just seems silly. That's good. And uh, you're quite a keen gardener, I see, from your Instagram feed and stories. Yeah, I love gardening. And it's something that's also evolved, I guess, uh, you know, my garden at the cottage, it, it was very small and and I guess, you know, when you're working all the time, you get, didn't get much attention, but also the soil up there is particularly, like even though it's 600 metres away, the soil is completely different to the soil that I've got here. And so it was a bit harder going, but I did always enjoy gardening and we did a fair bit to that garden up there. And then, yeah, we swapped and my mother-in-law is also a keen gardener and uh, so I took on this garden and, and have managed to sort of put my own stamp on it now, which is good. So, Shannon, what would you say would be your tips and tricks that you would provide to somebody else who was moving to the farm for the first time or moving in to, you know, their new cottage on the family farm? Oh, wow. There's a lot there. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the biggest thing I would say is, you know, if you've got to that point of moving in with someone on a farm, then it's probably really wise to to be on the same page as your partner or husband as what is going to happen in the future with that if it is a family farm. Um, just because it, it you, you won't be bought in immediately, but you want to know that you're going to be bought in, if that makes sense. You know, you want to be able to have a bit of a long-term plan and be able to know where you're going I think is a big thing yeah that's a that's a big thing there's a lot of people I know that come in and there's nothing really put in place and I understand that there's a lot of people that aren't prepared to especially with new relationships but I think at least if you and your partner or husband are on the same page then down that track um, and I was very lucky because obviously Phil really pushed for me to be, be brought in and he has always been on the front foot and wanting me to be involved and that kind of thing. But it still took time. Like it wasn't 
you know, I didn't just move in and then brought in on the business. It, it took many years before I became, you know, we have a company before I was brought in as a, you know, executor on the company and that kind of thing. So, and then we bought land together and, and in, you know, all those sorts of things. So I guess, that would be one of my biggest tips is just talking and having a bit of a, what are we going to do? And also, uh, you know, I think it's a big thing too, is being able to work out, um, you know, what you're doing off farm income wise as well, because, you know, that, that's a big help. Yep. Absolutely. That is a big one to unpack all on its own. <laughs> Was there? 100%. <laughs> Was there anything that uh, you would do differently from your experience in um, in a lesson? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't think so. Originally, when I first moved here, though, I was still doing shift work. And that that wasn't great because realistically, trying to juggle shift work and driving on country roads, and then you've got a husband that's working all different hours for farming, it wasn't ideal and eventually we switched and I went and got a job with community nursing in Roma so that that was a lot better but it is a juggle you know when you have someone farming because it is odd hours at different times you know you'll go through a run of they'll get in at normal hours and then you'll go through a run of not seeing them because they're planting or harvesting or whatever so I think you know trying to be able to manage that juggle is is something that you know you've got to be able to think about too yeah and how do you manage the communication and feeding your farmer <laughs> yeah that's it I'm incredibly lucky uh Phil is all about communication so I know what's going on all the time because he's constantly talking to me um and you know I feel sorry for him because sometimes I'm like oh my god I really don't care that the tractor has something and something and needs something and something but I am actually taking it in as he's saying it um, and food-wise, I I love cooking and always have. And with three boys, you just you always need to have food on hand. But I did learn early on that, especially in in odd hours, it was very handy to have stuff frozen and ready to go as well. Yeah. Do you have a go-to recipe? Oh God, I have got lots of go-to recipes. <laughs> there's a there's a lot out there, but really like the things that you know for meals that you can freeze you cannot beat like lasagnas or shepherd's pies or those pasta bakes all of those freeze so well and um, as for for anything for your sweets or smokos you know you, you can't beat I love chocolate biscuits or um, chocolate chip biscuits and then making them in big batches the other thing is I have a cookie dough recipe that my mum always used to make when we had shearers and you can freeze it so then you just have to pull out the cookie dough and cut it up and then stick it in the oven. So how has your role, you've said that you were nursing when you first moved to the farm. So how has your role changed um, with each child that's come on? Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, my role probably didn't change that much until just recently. So I continued to nurse part-time um, when I had the kids and then when Angus, that's my youngest, he went to school uh, last year full-time yeah. and and it was uh, the year before when he was doing kindy, we just found it a bit of a juggle. We're half an hour out of town, which isn't too bad, but then when you start juggling afternoon stuff, like the, the kids all loved football and, you know, if, 
in at this time of year they're doing football and for a few years there I was having training on two afternoons a week because they did trainings on different days and then you'd have a game and then if I was working as well I was in town four sometimes five times a week and it just got to a point where we were both like this is ridiculous you know you might as well live in town if you're going to be in there that much and so I Phil and I talked about it um and realistically, out of all the things that I had on my plate, we realized that nursing was probably the one that we could drop off. And so that's, we made that decision. Um, and I stopped nursing um, at the start of last year. And yeah, it's been, for me, it's been a great decision. I don't, I don't miss it at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, and so then from that, I do more on the farm now. So I have sort of dedicated days, apart from when kids are sick like last week, um, I have dedicated days that I do farm work on. And so I have sort of, I have my week fairly planned. Like I have Mondays as my home and office days. Um, Tuesdays, Wednesdays are my farm days. Thursdays, I put lick out. So we've got a lease block on the other side of Roma. So I try and go through Roma. I put the lick out. I come back into Roma to pick the kids up after school and they've got football. And then Fridays are sort of my in-between. I'm around if I'm, I'm needed. And if not, I'm usually doing washing yeah. <laughs> or cleaning or something. <laughs> and that sounds like uh, that's pretty well planned out for work-life balance. How do you feel that usually plays? Are there anything else in there that you do um, to balance the things out a little bit more to make manageable? Uh, yeah, we, as you know, I mean, things can turn. You know, like I said last week, I had three sick kids home. I think all of them were home at least one day until Friday. So, you know, that gets thrown out the window then. Or, you, you know, um, something comes up and you might need to duck to town to get past. Or, you know, there's always something. I try to keep my Mondays at home. That's my big thing. Um, occasionally Phil will go, oh, can you just, and I'm like, it's Monday. <laughs> um, but I just find if I can get Monday just to try and get some stuff cooked for the rest of the week, because often if I'm doing farm stuff, I'm in late on the other nights and, and whatever else. But if I can just get a bit sorted, then it, the week does seem to move a bit smoother. But as I said, it can all be up in the air and it can change. So um, that's probably one of the other things I've had to learn. Um, as a as a farmer is that I as a nurse it, you know you get your shifts you get your, your stuff you have to do it's by the hour often with things that you have to do for patients and that kind of thing and yes things change but it's within that scope whereas I have found and I still find farming incredibly difficult in the fact that you'll get up and you'll be like right we're doing this and then it'll completely change and you'll have to all turn and it's something else is on and my brain doesn't, it doesn't do well with that. I'm not very adaptable, I'm afraid. And, um, and so that can be frustrating. And I think I was finding before I sort of made Mondays my day at home, I was finding that, you know, I'd be right, this is what I'm going to do, but I wouldn't have said anything to Phil and he would have bring, he'd bring me up and go, right, I need you to do this. I'm like, but in my head, I'm doing this. Like I need to get this done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, becoming more adaptable is something I'm still not good at, but I'm trying to work hard on. Oh, that sounds good. I think we're all all working a bit more towards being a bit more adaptable. Yes, absolutely. Just have to see. Yeah, you just have to try because it, it can change. And I understand that. And I, I grew up with it, but it's it's different. I find cropping is just different. You know, there's just, there's always something breaking or something that's urgent or 
you know, the agronomist comes and holy crap, you've got something else and everything needs spraying or, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) There seems to be less cattle emergencies, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was there anything in your notes that you've written down that you thought might be helpful uh, to share? Yeah, absolutely. Um, A couple of the questions that you asked, and I thought this was interesting, is one of the things you said was, what are your top tips for surviving or thriving back through a drought? Um, And it's definitely surviving. I think it's survival mode. Um, Where we are here, you know, droughts are just a part of life. They don't happen all the time, but they do happen. Um, You know, the last one we had was was the mother of all droughts. And that was, it was tough. Like, no doubt, it, it really hit us hard. But the few things that I think we learnt from that drought was realistically having some off-farm income is definitely helpful, whether that be investments or or, um, you're earning some cash or whatever, that's a big help. The other thing is to be prepared. So after we had that 2019 drought, we were very fortunate we could grow some silage. So we have put down silage into pits and, and that kind of thing. And we've also sort of invested in more cattle feeders because we grow our own grain just to give ourselves more breeding room for when that next drought happens because it, it's a matter of, of when. You of know? when. Um, yeah, 100, 100%. And the other thing is too is it can be we, – we worked really hard in that drought to try not, I guess, to bring it home to the kids because uh, 2019 just seemed to be a really rough year and, um, and we just didn't want them affected, I guess, affected by it. So – um, you know, it was just trying to make sure that we weren't having a household full of tension and stress and trying to leave it at the door, so to speak. I think that's really important as well. And getting off in a way, and also if you can, and I, I know that so many people, if you're on dam water, it can't happen, but having some green space is is a huge help for your mental health when it comes to droughts. You know, to be able to come home and have a lawn and a garden is is incredibly important, I think. Yeah, absolutely. When you were talking about not bringing that tension and stress into the house, was there certain rituals or things you did before you picked up the kids or before you came back into the house from being in the paddock to really make that at the forefront of your mind and really make that separation? Not really, but we just tried to make sure that we weren't always talking about it in front of them. And I think we just always kept saying to them you know it will rain you know yep it's drought but you know it'll be okay it'll rain and um and trying to you know I guess be optimistic and um yeah just because it was it was pretty rough and and you know I think that year too the pub burnt down there was a lot going on in 2019 I tell you and so when we hit COVID like the world everyone else was thinking like this is the worst thing in the world and we hit rain in February and we're like, this is awesome. Like we can handle COVID. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can handle this. Like everybody else is almost going through their drought. And I'm like, we've just done that. Like we've just done it. So um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of just remembering that little ears uh, have big ears and they're always listening. Yeah. Do you have um, a certain thing where you might go, okay, we're not talking about business because we have every night we go into the office for an hour or so or um, once the kids are down then we talk business do you have a distinction like that yeah look we try to uh, you know Phil and I are often in the office at night that's one of the things that we do and so you know when we're around the dinner table and that kind of thing 
in at night you know we often try and do our favorite thing in the day and 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 that kind of thing we don't often we don't talk business actually over the table really um you know usually it'll be in passing in conversation um but it's not really yeah it's more just talking to the kids really how's their day and what's going on with them and that kind of thing yeah no that's a really good way to do it that's excellent um the other thing you said is um you said what are the five most important lessons you've learned on the farm yes that's my favorite yeah it is a good one um Okay, so a couple of things I've said is our farm income is gold. Um, being adaptable is really important. Um, as much as I don't love it, debt is often the way forward. Um, be ready for the next drought. Yeah. And duct tape and zip ties are your best friends. Absolutely. They should be in everybody's <laughs> toolbox. <laughs> Whether that's your at-home yep. toolbox or down the paddock toolbox. A hundred percent, always. Yeah. 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 yeah, so that's sort of, sort of my my tips anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Have you experienced many wet years in your area or it's it's mainly either a good year or a dry year? Yeah, so we had yes, um we have had a few wet years. Um uh sort of around that 2010 to 12 mark here we had incredibly wet years uh, yep. lots of floods and and that kind of thing um and then we've had sort of a few times we've had a fair amount of rain and it you know it, it can do a little bit of damage just flood crossings and that kind of thing but it's in 2010 uh particularly was difficult uh because we couldn't harvest our crop because it was so wet and that that was pretty devastating yeah that really sort of set us back business wise um it was just one of those things uh everybody was trying to harvest we had headed contractor here but he had jobs to go to down south and because it just didn't stop raining he couldn't get on the country and then he had to go and it, yeah that that was incredibly tough yeah Absolutely. And how do you, how did you and Phil work out how to bounce back from that? Well, I think one of the things is with being a farmer is you have to be incredibly resilient and you have to keep your eyes forward. And so that, that's what we did. And I guess you just look for the next crop and, and work out how to make the most out of the moisture you've got. We've adapted a lot of our farming methods here too. So, um, it, you know, once we'd have to wait for moisture, now with the planting gear we've got you know if we hadn't had rain for a bit we can plant down into moisture so we haven't had much rain here this year um, however we're planting at the moment and that's due to the boss planter we've got that can go deep and get those get those seeds into moisture and then we hope from there you know if you can get the seed into moisture in that in that ground then it you know it will come up it's just hopefully to get some rain on top of it to make it a better crop yeah Yep. And what crops are you putting in this season? Yeah, so we've got wheat and barley mainly, and then we do have oats for cattle feed. Yep. So it's not we're not planting as much as what we normally would plant um, because, like I said, it's been quite dry. Uh, however, we're going with what we've got at the moment, and then we've got a window of opportunity up until the end of June for that planting. And then after that, you are following it out and hoping that we get rain and potentially could plant a sorghum crop. Yeah. Yeah, and you're saying that cattle is your, your main passion rather than the cropping side. So tell me what you're doing with your cattle at the moment. Yeah, look, it's, it's 
it's a bit tough. Like I said, it's dry up here. So we've still got our breeding herd um, and they're on a, they're on a, a lease block um, and they have been there for, I think about eight years. We've been really lucky on that particular place. We've coming to a bit of a fork on the ro- in the road, unfortunately, with them though, because uh, we are about to lose that country just because the fellow who owns it wants to take more of it back. Um, but we're hitting a little bit of a, you know, speed bump because everybody's sort of trying to find adjustment at the moment. So realistically, I think we're going to have to really sit down and have a look at our business and see where we are going with the breeders um, and and what we do in the future. Ultimately, I would really like to buy another cattle block at some stage and be able to have breeders on that block, but that dream might be a little bit away away yet. And I think the other thing is, though, you know, at the other end of the, the stick, I guess I don't really want to be selling these breeders because, you know, they've been years of breeding to get them to where they are now. So it's a, it's a bit of a, a, I guess, a turbulent time in, in respect to them. But at the moment, they're, they're all ticking along okay and, and hopefully we'll, um, we'll find somewhere to put them. Yeah. And Shannon, do you have a breed that you prefer? Uh, I'm a Simbra fan. So I'm a Simintel Simitel yep. girl over sort of Brahmin's cross cows. Yeah, I, I like yep. that cross. Yeah. Uh, I'm a short horn girl. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> actually, actually, the fellow who we um, lease off, his short horn bull got in actually with our girls. So we have a couple of short horns getting through oh, the beautiful lot. cross. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, that roan is so strong. Yeah, very strong. <laughs> <laughs> So, Shannon, you spoke about as part of your drought-proofing plan and also something that you do for yourself, having that off-farm income. So now that you're not nursing, what off-farm income are you doing? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I'm actually in sort of, I guess you can say direct sales. Um, Years ago, I started um, selling skincare online and that that has been been fantastic and, and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, just of late, though, I found that I think it's the nursing side of me. I actually really love helping people. I enjoy it. And yes. I really actually enjoy making sales. I think if I lived in the city, I'd be a real estate agent um, because I actually really, I do really enjoy it. But just of late, I've switched my focus I um, and I became a Thermomix consultant. So I'm really enjoying that side because I use my Thermomix every day anyway and so I'm enjoying helping people get the most out of theirs and and just sharing what I do so that for me that's been great and it does it does bring in um you know a really handy extra income yeah and do you have a podcast I do I do have a podcast that doesn't make me any money um but (laughs) it's just something we enjoy absolutely (laughs) Absolutely. And when Phil, when I told Phil I was going to do the podcast, he thought I was crazy. But I do. I have a podcast called Grow Your Patch. Uh, and it, it is basically on sort of gardening and a bit of self-sufficiency. I'm quite passionate about growing my own food. And so that's what that podcast is on. And I enjoy it. I enjoy probably, much like yourself, enjoy interviewing people and hearing uh, different other people and what they're doing and learning from other people. And uh, yeah, it's been, I started it at the end of last year and it's been something that has definitely, is definitely growing and I, yeah, continue to enjoy doing it and I release sort of an episode every week. Beautiful. That's good to know. I'll add that into the show notes underneath. And I also had a question, how do you get your kids around your farm? Yeah, that's a good question. So 
we have a couple of options. Um, the first one is they all have their own motorbike. So yeah. that's always great. You know, when they get that bit bigger, they can all ride around. But prior to that, it was utes. Um, and we have a, a buggy now as well. I also have a, um, a little Suzuki Sierra. Uh, yep. as well so that's sort of my little get around the farm car although it hasn't had a battery in it for a bit and I'm patiently waiting till farming finishes to get it back uh, but it's it's great too and the kids can take that as well because two out of three of them can drive so yep. that's it's very handy for them but yeah that's that how we help. sort of yeah that's how we all get around really perfect excellent well I think that brings me to the end of my formal questions Shannon was there anything else that you wanted to share while you're here with me and part of the rural mum community oh no I, I just think it's uh it's an awesome thing that you're doing and it's great it's really great to connect with other online mums I love I guess that's one of the things I love about um you know being online and on Instagram and that kind of thing uh, I just really enjoy meeting other people and connecting with other rural people and non-rural people that are interested in what we do as well because um, yep. I really love sharing, I guess, what farmers do because I think getting it out there to the wider population, you know, what goes into producing food is incredibly important. Absolutely. I think that bridge is currently quite large and if we can can help pave to, to close that, then that's always a good opportunity as well. And what made you start this up? I've got a few... So there was a couple, I guess, of little pieces that sort of lined up. Um, the first one was that, you know, there was that gap between, you know, my family and this farm and them not really understanding why I was doing what I was doing. Um, yeah. But also in that with my mum's group, I couldn't really participate because either, like, they didn't understand the questions I had or what I was struggling with because it was very different. They were all on maternity leave. Um, they were all being paid for their maternity leave. And, um, like, I rocked up to my first mum's group at I think it was 12 weeks um, postpartum. And in that time I'd been mustering and drought feeding and we'd actually um, – I'd actually taken Ned off the farm and said, look, I just – think we need to get away for a couple of weeks and we went to the beach um with like an eight week old camping um yep. with no mobile service no flushing toilets anything like that and everyone just thought I was this mad lady sitting in the corner <laughs> <laughs> like most of them hadn't even left the house um oh, wow. so wow. Now that I've got three and I feel like I'm a little bit more set up and a little bit more experienced, I've been on the farm um, almost 10 years now. So I thought if I can make that transition easier for one person, whether they are at the beginning of their journey and they are moving to the farm or whether they've been on the farm for a little while and now they're adding kids um, or them, they and their partner have kids and are now you know, starting with a lease block or a block, then I really hope that that helps them and gives them some of the support and tips and tricks that they need to m make a better run at it. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I think good on you. That's awesome. I think it's, yeah, I think it's great. And I think having that, the community and people knowing there's other people out there that are the same as them, I, yeah. I think that's fantastic because, you know, it is different. You know, ha raising kids on the land is, is different and, and no one can really understand it unless they're doing it. 
So Shannon, thank you very much for joining us today on So You've Married the Farmer, Now What? We've had a really great chat with you learning some tips and tricks along the way. For anyone else who is interested in tips and tricks on marrying a farmer, moving to the land or raising kids out here with us, then please hit the like and subscribe button. For other episodes, I'll link them in the comment section below. If you have any questions, don't forget to ask them and we'll see if we can address it here on the channel, either on our Tuesday uploads or on our Thursday interviews. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.